from 1 Corinthians 13. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. It does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. But now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then shall we see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Lord, we thank you for bringing Stephen with us this morning. We just pray now that you will speak through him what he has to say to us. May we be open, Lord, to hear your voice. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, it's a privilege to be back here again, you know. Whenever we follow the route to Wil, to, I always think what a lovely place this is. You're very privileged, folks, to live here. And I feel we are, as we are over in uh, near White Parish, a beautiful area. Um, really good. And it's good to be with you again this morning. And to start this new series that uh, hopefully will be a real blessing to everyone. And of course, we're starting, as we've been reminded, with love. <clears throat> if you look in Galatians 5, verse 22 to 23, you'll find that the gifts or the fruit of the Spirit are listed. There are nine, and the first one, of course, is love. I was thinking about this, you know, and 
in our language, in, in the English language, we, we have a very loose relationship with the word love. Um, I don't know why it did, but while I was thinking about that, something popped into my mind. You know, uh, not that I go to cinema, but people who go to cinemas often say, I really love popcorns. Um, I'm not sure I like popcorns anyway, but uh, people say that, don't they? I love popcorns. Or you may say, I love being by the sea. Uh, if the sun shines, yes, that's true. Or I love my dog. A lot of people would say that, wouldn't they? Um, we're, we're sitting uh, for a dog of my eldest son, his wife, they're, they're off on holiday. And this uh, lovely dog, really, are very intelligent. Um, and when I watch them treat it, or particularly my son's wife, uh, she cuddles it and kisses it. And I can't get round to that, I'm afraid. <laughs> <coughs> and uh, it's taken the dog a little time to get used to us. It's very intelligent. Uh, the first couple of days, it just walked around the house with its tail between its legs. And, um, and then it began to talk to me. It came up to me and said, um, I want to go out to the toilet. <laughs> and it's it strange, really. It sort of barked at me. and, In other words, get off the chair and open the door and let me out. And then after a few minutes, it wanted to come back again. And slowly it settled down. I guess by the time they come back, It'll be very happy, but um, I hope so. <laughs> but I'm not going to get a dog. But you might say, I love my dog. And I'm sure if I was to speak to Rosie, uh, she would say, I love my dog. And um, I would see her kissing it. And I thought, wow, you know, okay. Um, you might say, this morning as you sit here, we're talking about fruit. I love my garden. Or I love my family. And that just names a few of references to love in the English language. In fact, the word love can be added to so many things that its true meaning can easily become rather blurred. But having said that, it does produce a favorable image of enjoyment and positive action. When we look, however, at the Bible, things are slightly different, or very much different. It's important to see or realize that the application of love in the Bible, and especially in the New Testament, takes a very prominent place. The four words used in the Bible are, if I pronounce these correctly, storage, storage, Philia, Eros, and Agape. The first is empathy, bonding. The second is friendship. The third is romantic. And finally, the unconditional love of God. I like those definitions, and it certainly clears up for me my understanding of what love is about. If you read through the letters of the New Testament, and of course most of the New Testament is based on letters, and Paul wrote quite a number of them, 
And he, he had problems in writing these letters. Uh, he, we, we don't understand totally what the problems were. But if you look at the early church and think what it might have been like, it started in the second of Acts when the Holy Spirit came and you remember those large number of Jews were converted. They came to faith and were baptized. And then there came a time of scattering and people were sent out all over the, all over the world as they knew it at that time. And, and so you see little groups of Christians building up and the church began to grow. And so you get the Jewish people and you get the Gentile people coming together, two basic understandings of how they should live. And you can imagine the problems that must have occurred. And Paul wrote uh, with that in mind to try and bring people together. And Paul's interesting word might be love. You could see the Jews wanted their customs to come into the church. The Gentiles probably had other ideas and didn't want that. As you look through, you can see all kinds of differences occurring. From our reading today, Paul lists a number of things that the Corinthian church would understand. But he goes on to say that although some may benefit if the person who initiates the action has not love, there is no gain. Now, sometimes we need to learn and hear that, don't we? Someone I respect quite highly who's now ministering in America once said, Jesus said, I will build my church. And we've been messing it up ever since. And there's an element of truth in that. We obviously can't um, support things that are wrong. But having said that, there are things that we need to put right in love. In simple terms, service without love is empty. Service from a heart of love goes on and achieves a blessing for all concerned. Verse 8 tells us love never ends. And I will finish with that a little later on. During his three years of public ministry, Jesus powerfully demonstrated love many times. Remember when I was here last, I talked about Jesus going to the well. You probably don't remember. But uh, I can, Im I just, I, I don't know, if I'd been with the disciples, it would have been lovely to hear what they were saying to each other. As they came back, they went out to get some food and came back to the well, and there was Jesus talking to this lady who was a Gentile, and uh, may never talked to women, particularly Gentiles. It's good that things have changed since then. Um, and uh, the disciples must have said, what on earth is he doing? 
He's drinking from her cup. He's talking to her. But stop a minute. Jesus was teaching the disciples that one day, one day, the Gentiles will be involved in the church. I'm rather thankful about that. I don't know about you. And so a lot of, a lot of what Jesus did was teaching the disciples of what was coming in the future. And one thing that hit me when I was preparing for this, this morning was this whole upper room. As Jesus was coming to the cross, he had something to tell the disciples which was going to be mind-blowing. And this powerful example was during the Last Supper. And it says that Jesus began to wash the disciples' feet. Now, of course, the job of washing the disciples' feet was something that was left to the servant or to the slave. And so Jesus was showing them something very special. What was on display here was another powerful example to disciples of how agape love, which was the love of God, the unconditional love of God, works. If we little bit, go a little bit further, we see another example of it where Jesus said, having been crucified, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. When I think, of that, whenever I think of the cross, I, it's worse than I can have. I, I don't know. I just find it so difficult. Um, there came a time in history when the Romans did away with that form of torture um, because it was too grotesque. And Jesus said, "Father, forgive them." Well, they know not what they do. For me, that was an amazing expression of his love. And then as we go a little further, those three hours of darkness, and at the end of that, Jesus cries, it is finished. For me, that was sealing an act of love so powerful that it's beyond our understanding. And it sealed the future of all those who put their trust in Jesus. There's someone here this morning who's on the edge of making that move. I pray that you reach out today. Jesus died for you to make it possible for you to be with him forever. And so with so many examples and exhortations to the agape kind of love, we might say, I see how important it is, but how can any of us possibly reach such a standard? The Bible teaches that this kind of love is the fruit of the Spirit. And if you look in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 22, it tells us that we... We are made up of three parts, body, soul, and spirit. 
And Galatians 5.22 lists the nine items that are the fruits of the Spirit, starting with love. So where does it all start? Well, I think it probably starts with Nicodemus. Nicodemus, Jesus said, you need to be born again. You need to be born again. And I believe that this birth produces a spiritual awakening. We change direction, our objectives change. We are introduced to a God who loves us and demonstrated his love by sending Jesus. That's what we call faith, isn't it? And so Paul picks up this theme when he writes in Romans 5, verse 5, God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Wow. So it's not something that you've got to build up. It's something that has been poured into your heart when you're born again. One of the lovely things about the gospel is that what happens when we say yes to Jesus, when we give our hearts to him and say, yes, come and fill my life, what actually happens is that God, if you like, awakens the spiritual side of our lives and it changes everything. So it's not a question of reaching a certain standard because it's a gift of God poured into your life if you're a Christian here today. It's a question of accepting the gift of, God, of God's love into your life from which will come fruit that will last. Our service with God, whatever it would be, therefore, would be marked by this love and will have amazing results. You know, I'm so excited when I think of that. Christian friends, we, we each have a life to live. And God has poured into your life when you came and said yes to Jesus, a love. Which as you serve him and as you work for him will be displayed. You know, sometimes, I, I don't know, in my case, I grew up in a Christian family and um, so Christian things were talked about and lived I suppose I can say today that I saw in my parents' Christian life there came a time when I, I went and listened to someone talk about the gospel and about the good news of Jesus Christ. And at quite a young age, probably around 12, I, I went home and, and said to my dad, if Jesus did all that for me, the least I can do is follow him. I often wondered whether that was the day that I was born again. 
It's very easy if we're not careful to slip into service and doing this and that for the Lord. And some people find it easy, other people don't find it so easy. But um, it's very easy to finish up doing things and feeling empty inside. What I want to say this morning is that Jesus wants to fill that emptiness and he fills it by filling you with love. And your service, my service for Jesus has its root in love, if it's worth anything. Well, I'm coming into the end. A few years ago, two years ago, I mean, my dear wife is very keen on her garden. Um, I look after the lawns and things like that. And she knows all the names of various Latin names. And so if you want any help, you know where to come. But a couple of years ago, we, um, I think it was me, I bought, I bought her a lemon tree. And uh, it was about that high. And the first, first year when it got cold, we thought, well, we better look after this thing. So we put it in the front room and it um, pushed out a load of sticky stuff on the furniture. Nothing much happened. It had uh, one or two flowers come. And then we took it out and we put it in the garden and it, it sort of uh, enjoyed that, I think. And then to this last year we thought, well, we're not having it giving us a load of sticky stuff on our furniture this year. So we put it in the greenhouse and... Uh, I brought it out a few days ago, and to my amazement, it's covered in lemons. Um, and that's amazing, you know. You know, for me, um, this lockdown period has been a good thing. I guess as you grow older, you find you've got a bit more time to do things. And I've been sitting, looking out in the garden and watching God's creation. And uh, we used to live in London, and things like squirrels and so on didn't mean anything to us. But I've, I've been watching the squirrels recently, um, or during the lockdown period. And I know you watch the squirrel. It goes up a tree as if it's no problem. How on earth does it do that? And I watched one roaring along a branch and another one going that way and as they got together I thought something's going to happen and one of them went like that and the other one just went over the top and, and we have really high trees in our garden and they jump from one branch to another I've never seen a squirrel fall and uh, for us to have um, electricity in our house it comes from a wire which runs right the way up the side of the garden and they run along the, gut, the wire. Now, my background is engineering. I'm, I know that things don't happen. They, they have to be created. They have to be designed. And whatever you like to think, I am amazed at God's design, even in that little squirrel. 
So I'll just say that, um, partly because of the fruit. Um, hard work goes in, problems, yes. And at the end of the day, there is fruit. And you know, as far as Christian service is concerned, my view would be this. I want things that I've done for the Lord to last. And one, one thing that... Um, one story I'll tell you before I close. I'm just, just about there. The church we attended in, in Woodford um, for many years, uh, obviously over a period of time you build up relationships with people. And there's a lady there called Edith. And she, she was a lovely person. Uh, and she, she passed away. I remember spending time with her. We were talking about the Lord's things and so on, and she was a real example. She's someone who had, a, I believe, a lot of love. And then years later, a young person turned up at the church, and she said, well, I'm, my auntie is Edith, or was Edith. And she said, I, I was brought up uh, by... Um, Edith's brother, who was about 10 years or so younger than Edith. And we went off to Australia as a family. And my father used to say, well, well Edith looks after the religious side. Uh, we don't bother about it. And she said, that's how I was brought up. And she said, I got married, and my marriage didn't work, and I broke up, and... I went through a very dark period. And she said, at that time, I found Jesus. And she said, I gave my heart to Jesus and came back to Britain. And she was working for the Billy Graham Foundation. Now, I rang up Edith's husband and I said to him, because he's pretty elderly, he's died now, um, amazing story. This relative of Edith has, has come to know Jesus in spite of what she's been through. And he said to me, yes, he said Edith was a real powerful prayer. And you know, for me, that was an example. This is the sort of thing that will last. She was someone who loved the Lord and lived her life. And in her prayer, God answered that prayer. I was so thrilled to meet this person. So, dear friends, Christian friends, take heart. Feel the pouring of God's love into your life. Your service should be covered with love. We know that fruit takes a long time, sticky stuff and all that. But at the end, well, I haven't had a lemon yet, but I'm looking forward to that. I wonder whether someone here might Feel they need prayer. I'm going to close in prayer. Um, 
But before I do, I just want to say the next hymn that we're about to sing, which Sarah will lead us in, was written by a, a man called George Matheson. And I'm not sure that he, he is a, uh, an ancestor of mine, although my name's Matheson. And my family did come from Scotland originally. But George Matheson, the story goes, was a very fine preacher. Um, used to preach to over a thousand people on a Sunday uh, up in Scotland. At 17 years old, he began to go blind. And um, by the time he was 20, he was totally blind. And the, the girl that he was about to marry, she said, well, I just can't face this for the rest of my life. And they separated. And so he had... Um, he, his sister stepped in and looked after him. And then there came a day when his sister decided she wanted to get married, and she said to him, I'm going to have to leave you. And at that moment, he, he um, what shall I say, he, he discovered this amazing hymn, O love that will not let me go. Let's just pray, shall we? Maybe someone here who feels they want to experience that love more in their lives. Well, I want to pray for you. Lord, we just bring each of our lives to you this, this morning. We pray that what we've been thinking about, fruit that will last in a world that seems to at this time be turning away from you. We just pray that your spirit will be at so active that people will be brought to the foot of the cross to accept Jesus as theirs. And Father, if there's a people here who feel empty inside as they seek to serve you, I pray that they might start by understanding that this love that you've poured out into their hearts can be something which will really powerfully change things, what they do, how they live their lives. Father, we thank you for this fruit, the fruit of the Spirit, which is something that's going to go on and be worthwhile in the days that lie ahead. And we give you thanks now in the name of Jesus. Amen. <laughs>